Hello, everybody. We're back with another interview coming your way. This time, we've got Mr. Joseph Koss, the first full-year district manager of the West Richmond office in the Virginia Titan Division in the Eastern Region. He currently holds the number two spot in the Silver Cup race for the Rising Star League. I know he's gunning for that number one spot. Number two doesn't suit you well, Joseph. So let's dive into this interview today it's all about what's working well right now for you so when i ask you that question joseph what's the first thing that comes to your mind um i would say the first thing is working well is definitely my staff i have a uh, an incredibly loyal staff that they're kicking butt i have three um i only have three assistant managers i just hired a fourth ami um assistant manager intern but they're doing a great job with pr sets um, we've split our team up into pods and they are doing an amazing job managing them. Uh, we're splitting up PDI, uh, as a district manager, I'm taking the top, uh, 20% or so. So I have about, you know, seven to 10 people that I'm coaching on a daily basis or having conversation with, um, every training class we run, depending upon the quality I'll, again, I'll take the top, you know, if we launch uh, 10 out or 20, call it, well, I'll take probably the top five that I'm talking to on a daily basis and getting in conversations with. And then every week I'm just uh, cycling my top people. So people who are finishing up their fast start, I'm adding them to, to my people's teams. And my, um, I have two, uh, just two managers who are running teams right now. And they're just doing a great job just managing them and talking to them every day and giving them the attention that um, since I'm running majority of all the interviews in the office and doing the training and team meetings and kickoff meetings, it's uh, easy for me to give more attention to top people and make sure the rest of the team is getting some sort of, um, you know, conversation. So I would say that's the first thing that's working uh, very well. And I would say the second thing is definitely quality. Um, you know, we had, um, we, we have just great kids, right? We have uh, very, uh, you know, college athletes. Uh, we have some D1 football players, some uh, basketball players, just very competitive. Uh, that's why I tend to like to attract to the, to the organization, typically people who are just, um, you know, go-getters, very good, uh, very coachable. Uh, I make it a point to talk about competition in my interviews. So I think that's a big attraction point for the athletes and those, and those kids. Um, and they're just, you know, they're just dropping bombs on the demos or seeing the right people. They're excited. Um, they have a lot of uh, conviction in what they do and the product. So I think that's really um, helping a lot. Cool. There's a lot to unpack here, Joseph. And I want to start with what you started off with. Because I think this topic of building a support team is so valuable right now, especially as we're seeing record high recruiting numbers. I mean, I know of branches that you know, they're senior branches and last summer they hired 35 people in the entire summer. And right now in week four of May or week three of May, they've got 50 people on their team and it's not slowing down. And so I think this is a really valuable conversation and one that I definitely want to dig into more. Obviously it's important that we note that you have assistant managers on your squad that have gone through TLA. And so it might be a little bit easier to trust them when it comes to delegating PDI conversations, but let's talk about this idea of delegation and how you can really elevate your ability to run an effective team through working through others. Um, how have you built your AMs up to a point where you feel comfortable in giving them some responsibility as it comes to PDI? Um, number one thing I would say is just making sure that you're 
teaching them the foundations of it and understand that it's okay that they mess up. I used to be very scared to delegate anything whatsoever to my assistant managers, right? Like last summer we, I did, I had 1am and he did almost zero PDI. Um, he did, um, you know, he, he was set PRs and we still had a great summer. We did over 400 grand, but I knew that if I was going to take it to the next level, I needed to not spread myself so thin and trust my people and expect them that they're going to mess up and that's okay. That's how they're going to learn, right? I mean, I think it's important that if someone's listening to this call and they're a little bit nervous about it, obviously don't just throw them into the fire, you know, make sure you're training them up, have them watch you for a week, right? And then, you know, start small, right? Give them a team of three or five, right? And then maybe they're not your best people, but give them your, you know, three to five kids to manage and help and get their feet wet with it listen to their conversations you know give take the two three minutes a day when you um uh each time you hear them have a conversation like hey are you cool if i give you a tip on how to uh you know edit that combo right are you cool if i tell you what i would have said okay cool mm -hmm. here's, okay, here's what you should say next time mm. i would say that's a first so thing. great let's let's stick on that for a couple minutes here because i have a couple thoughts that i wanted to add to what you've shared the first thing is this idea of trusting your people. It's so incredibly valuable. And it's, it's no secret that a lot of our managers would consider themselves, maybe they wouldn't consider themselves, but when they dig deep, they realize that they're A, a perfectionist and B, a control freak. And I mean, that's just type A right there. We're, we've all gone through it. Um, and so oftentimes the, the thought of delegating and trusting is a really scary thought. But what you said hit it on the head. Mistakes are going to happen, they're inevitable, but they're only failures if you don't allow our people to learn something from them. And there's no way that anyone's ever going to grow if we don't give them the opportunity to try things out and to make those mistakes and to learn from them. One of my favorite uh, little, uh, I guess, rhymes that, that I say oftentimes in my coaching conversations is delegation equals elevation. That's good. When you delegate to your people, not only are you elevating your ability to lead and your ability to recruit at high levels, but you're elevating your people too. You're giving them responsibility. Therefore, they want to stay around. They want to grow. They want to work alongside of you. And so all that you just shared is so valuable. How do you find time in the day to teach your people some of these skills. You did mention that you have them listen in and kind of observe you, which I think is a brilliant thing because it doesn't take any extra time for them to do that. But talk a little bit about that process of actually starting the, the ball of delegation. Yeah, so someone who's watching this, they want to start that. Um, I would say start with the easy PDI, right, which is first weekend. Uh, very easy to teach. So I'm doing, um, so if you're launching training on Friday night, what I do is I have my staff come over to my place, right, and we just hang out play games, right, and watch TV or movies and just eat some food, and they'll listen to me take the first round of calls, and especially when you're in the beginning teaching them, I'm like, hey, did you hear how I had that conversation, right, did you see what I did there, did you see why I said that to that specific person, so, you know, this upcoming week, right, have your AMs watch you, and maybe you don't give them any of the calls at first, but you take the first few, and then the next week, give them the rock. And, uh, and let them, they're going to butcher the convo a lot of times and it'll be, 
messy. Like sometimes I, I, you know, I, I, I cringed a little bit the first time I heard a couple of my people's calls, but that's okay. That everyone starts somewhere. And, uh, it's, it's building their confidence. It's not like coming down super hard on them the first time they take the call and be like, why did you say that? No, it's like, Hey, 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 that was a solid for your first time. Can I show you what I would And, uh, and then, and one last thing I would say is like just finding wins for them, finding the things that they're doing that they did well. Hey, like, hey, so-and-so, I, I saw that you, you did a great job building rapport on that conversation, right? But you forgot to mention AT1. So, hey, next time, just make remember, AT1 fixes everything, okay? But hey, mm -hmm. great job building rapport. So it's like sandwiching it almost. Like, hey, mm -hmm. you did this really well, but this part was missing. All right, let's do a better job next time. But hey, that's all good. And then sandwiching it with, a, with something they did uh, great again. And then after you do that a few times, then it's just like, Seeing, just like building up their confidence something I learned from wrestling was like one of my really good coaches would always be like hey that was better hey better that was better anytime I did like a move or a series or whatever he would say hey that was better than last time right so just building their confidence and letting know they're getting better because once they start feeling that they're getting better and they're excited and they're seeing that you're noticing the wins they're going to be more excited to number one grow and number two they're going to speak with more confidence and that's just that's not just pdi it's anything you do for sure i love the friday night hangout idea and for those of you out there who maybe bring your reps together isn't possible uh you can do it over zoom and they can still listen to you over zoom and you can still take the time to digest what they heard i think that's a really key component to teaching anything is building in that extra time to ask them, hey, what did you hear? Or what did you pick up on? Or, hey, did you notice how I really did the event to event management? Did you notice how I ended on action? And making sure that you are taking the time to point out some of those specific components that you are very intentional about adding in, but they might not realize the intentionality behind it. Yep. And so giving them that lens to start looking at your PDI calls through is really valuable. So for example, you, you do a PDI call, you, get, you do a digest, and then you say, hey, the next time I do a PDI call, I want you to listen for how I tie it into taking immediate action after this, or whatever it is that you really want them to start hearing and looking out for. So that's a really, really good piece of advice. And also, when your team is getting to a point where it's so big, that you can't possibly handle all PDI calls, that's when you have to get to the point where you, you have to delegate because bad PDI is better than no PDI. And again, it gives your people the chance to learn to grow and to step up, which is really, really valuable. It's how you branch for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Talk to me about your AMI program. Cause I think we have a lot of people listening to this who opened up their offices with no AMs. And so they don't have the luxury of having well-trained AMs who've had, you know, the fall and the spring to kind of train under you. Um, but instead they're like, I've got to find people who I can grow right now. So that way come mid June when everything gets crazy, I have the opportunity to delegate. Yeah. This was definitely an area of struggle for me uh, in the business. Um, anyone who knows me knows I'm a control freak, right? Like I like doing on my own. Um, and this is the first year I actually delegated and, 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 and built a staff, right? It's my first full year. Um, so I would say somebody who's looking to the, uh, build an AM staff right now, I would say the first thing is number one, figure out what kind of AM do you want? 
And like, do you like, and, and like, what do you look for in, in, in an assistant manager intern? And, and what I look for, the number one quality I look for is loyalty. I don't care if somebody's super uh, talented and they're a 20K fast starter. If someone's loyal and I know they would have my back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to select that person because I know that person's going to, they're going to be excited to learn. They're going to trust me. They're going to be easy to coach and they're going to be excited about the opportunity. So that's the first thing I look for. I don't look for necessarily the person that sells them most. Uh, I look for the, like I just promoted somebody who's at, you know, who's not the, the highest in sales, but they're very loyal. So that's the first thing. Second thing I would say is someone who's just coachable. Uh, third quality and characteristic is someone who just has a good attitude. I would never promote someone who has a bad attitude. And then the fourth quality I would definitely look for uh, is someone who's a, a team builder. They're excited about building the team. I would never put someone on my staff who's not excited about building the team with only with not only their personal PRs and uh, you know uh, recruiting via social media. I look for that uh, as a fourth quality. And and like I said, if you need the help, you need the help, and you need to promote somebody to take PDI. It's fine. You don't have to be as strict as I am, but that's what I would say. And then to, I think your question was like, is your question Shelby like how I would promote them or like when I would or um, it's kind of anything regarding the AMI program. I know oftentimes people ask, you know, well, when they're an AMI, what, what do they even do? Like what additional tasks, responsibilities do I give them? What are the standards I set for them? How do I promote them from like a just verbiage standpoint could be another good question. And then at what point do they go from AMI to AM? Yeah, so uh, now every division is different. What I'd like to do is I'm, I'm pretty picky and selective um, uh, on who I pick. So I would say that I, I have not feel I ask them, I see planet, right, from the, um, from the moment they're a fast starter. Um, when they do something, I'm like, hey, man, that, that's, like, that's what a future assistant manager would do right there. Good job. Just like a low-key C plant. You know, like, um, hey, like, Matt, you're doing a great job, girl. I, I definitely see you as a, as a leader here. Uh, if you're, and then that, when you see Planet, it just opens up the conversation some point down the road in the next couple of weeks for, hey, have you ever thought about, hey, have you ever thought about being an assistant manager? You know, has it ever crossed your mind? Cool. Can I tell you what that would look like, right? And then you can do a quick, you know, build up of it. And then at the end of the conversation, be like, yeah, hey, like, is that something that would interest you? Cool. Well, hey, I'm just wondering, right? Because we are looking to hire another two to three. So um, just wanted to kind of gauge your interest. But I think you're doing a great job. Keep keep doing it. Um, you know, that's, that's how to like seed plan it. And then in terms of having the conversation, right, to doing it, like, I'd be like, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how excited would you be to interview to be an AM? Oh, you'd be, a, and if they say anything less than like a nine, I mean, or an eight, I probably wouldn't interview them. But they say like an eight or above, use your discretion below, but if eight above, I'm like, cool. And I send the application, uh, every division has a different one, but you know, you can send them a shorter one if you'd like to and have them fill it out and then get an interview with them. And then I just, just like I hire a rep, is kind of how I uh, hire them. Uh, and then in terms of how I like to set them up is I start my AMIs at two days a week in the office, right? Nothing crazy. And I let them know in the interview uh, that their job, number one job is to, uh, is to lead by example, right? Hit the newsletter every single week. Hey, I'm not going to fire you if you don't hit the newsletter, right? But the expectations as an assistant manager is that you're hitting the newsletter. Um, so, uh, I think that's number one thing. And that's what I promote. Number two, I talk about how you're going to help build the team. Right, like our, our AMs are team builders, right? Personal uh, PR, social media, whatever. They're 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 excited to share the opportunity. And then number three, uh, 
you know, coaching, right? Your, their job, your job would be coaching representatives, helping get them to events, promoting all that stuff. And then the fourth job, you know, setting applicants for interviews, uh, PR calling. So you can structure it however you want, but that's how I sort of structure it. And, and those are just the four jobs of an assistant manager in my organization. And then there's all sorts of values that I, you know, make sure it's clear. I think one really good tip for anybody watching this is to definitely make sure you set up how working with you will look like. Like I'm very intense, especially during the summer when bullets are flying, right? Like I'm very short with people. I don't like long explanations of things. I want people to get to the point when they explain things to me, uh, reports or interview uh, results or anything like that because we're busy. And I let them know that ahead of time. That way when I'm short with them, they don't take it personally. They understand like that's what's expected. That's what's gonna happen. It's not that I don't like you, it's that we have things to get done. So that's how, so I think that's important that you explain your coaching style. Uh, I've mm. seen a lot of assist, a lot of districts and branches lose assistance because they don't have clear expectations for what it's going to be like working with them. So anybody watching this with AMIs, like I would definitely recommend those things. So that's just what's helped me. It's what I've learned um, uh, working with Brian Herman and, um, and, uh, but I think, uh, to bring a full circle, I think the most important thing is just trusting people and understand, like, listen, it's okay if they mess up, you know, Tiger Woods and become Tiger Woods, you know, swing the golf club for a week, right? It took time. Uh, it took, if you're watching this in your branch, it took time for you to get to where you're at. I love it. That is so valuable, Joseph. In the essence of trying to keep this condensed, I want to ask one last question before we wrap up here. And it's very different than what we've just been talking about, but you did mention as being something that was valuable or something that's working well. Product conviction. I know a lot of people feel like right now that given everything's virtual and that the reps aren't actually getting sample kits, they're not watching their customers cut the rope, that it's hard to create product conviction. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I'm curious to know what are you doing in your trainings or in your conversations that are helping your reps understand the value of Kaka. Uh, absolutely. Now, um, anybody watching this is like, well, can I have great results with reps not having the knives? Like, absolutely. I've had four 10K fast starters. Um, I'm about to have a fifth one right this week, the last couple of weeks. And I mean, my last 10K fast start, Alejandra, um, she didn't even touch, she's never seen Kaka in person. She didn't even touch a knife, right? Um, she still hasn't gotten a sample kit. I give people the opportunity to come by and pick up a kit if they'd like to. I don't require it. She never even touched a knife. So you can get results without people like seeing it. I would say a, a couple, three things that I do. Uh, number one thing that I do is in training, uh, I make sure I hit on the value of when someone buys Cutco. Like, you know, I, I do two things in training that really hit. I do it throughout the entire training, but really two things that you guys could implement. Um, you know, I talk about number one, I talk about the, when I'm talking about the forever guarantee, I make sure it's very clear, like, hey, it, no amount of commission you could ever make would exceed the value that you get when someone buys Cutco. Right. And I, I, I hit on that hard during training. I, I spend a, a, a good portion of time hitting on that. Hey, yeah, you make $200. That's awesome. But what, what are you going to do with that $200, Maddie? Oh, yeah, you're going to spend that at some point. Right. How long would it take you to spend? Oh, a week. Okay, cool. Oh, two days, an hour. Yeah. How long are people going to own that cutco for? And they're like, oh, forever. And I make sure it's very clear. I give a lot of examples. I'm like, guys, my first time on the job, I made 10 grand, right? I spent all of it. That went towards tuition, expensive girlfriend, all this stuff, right? But 
how all those people that bought Cutco for me five summers ago, six summers ago, guess what they still have? They still have Cutco and they're going to have it 20, 30, 40 years down the road. Their kids are going to have it. So listen, guys, at the end of the day, you win when someone buys Cutco because you get your commission and that's awesome and your, uh, your customer wins because they get the product. But at the end of the day, your customer always wins. So that's a, that's a big thing I talk about in training. Um, Kyle Preman does an, a, a great example um, after the close, talking about the value, how much money someone saves uh, during uh, when they buy Cutco and uh, that the value is a lot more than the 330 average order that we have that they get. I would say the number one thing I do is just training. Uh, number two is I'm constantly building it up during PDI, right? So for example, like I have a rep sell a homemaker first appointment. One thing that I do is I'm like, hey, by the way, like Johnny, you just made a hundred bucks. How does that feel? Okay, cool. Hey, how long, are you, what are you going to do that hundred dollars? You don't mind me asking, you know, spend it, save it. You know, and they're like a lot of times I'm like, I'm going to spend it. And I'm like, awesome, great. How long, and, and by the way, Johnny, how, how long is that rep, that customer going to have cut good? And they're like, oh, like 23, you know, and I do the same thing that I did in training, but I just resell it, right? So I'm reselling it always to people. Um, those are the two main things that I do. And I would say a third thing um, uh, as a fire move for people is having people do um, uh, customers doing stop buys. Uh, you're doing virtual training, right? If you have somebody that owns Cutco, like, you know, you have a kid, hey, whose family owns Cutco right here? Um, you know, and then they raise their hand. They're like, I have a set, you know, tell them to go get their mom and, and come to the front of the screen and, and uh, talk about for like a minute, do a, a mom, a customer stop by and have them talk about how awesome the product is, right? Everyone loves Cutco. If your parents own Cutco, have your mom or dad or whoever jump on the call while you're running training and do a quick customer testimonial. Have a random a customer that you had in the past do that, right? It just builds conviction for somebody to hear this from other people. Uh, and then one last thing, I do, I, I do, I'm very strategic about this. I do rep stop buys throughout training to just build the product conviction too. And I always ask them, what's your favorite part about Cutco? And they always talk about how people love it and they get excited about it. So I have my top people do that every week. I'll have managers or other branches or CSP stop by on the date in the second day of training because we do day two. And I think if the more someone hears this from someone other than just yourself, I think the more powerful it can be with the product conviction. Mm. Yes, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Joseph, for all of this great content. I mean, seriously, I love diving into the conversation about delegation. I think it's super timely and super necessary. And then of course, just those really easy shifts with uh, product conviction are going to be super helpful for everybody. Thank you again for spending the time with me today. It's been, it's been great to catch up. And again, I, uh, I know you're gunning for, for that silver cup. Awesome. Thank you, Shelby, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Joseph. Talk to you later.